Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. So today we're reviewing a film that has Ryan Reynolds playing a very different kind of character. We're reviewing Pokemon Detective Pikachu today. So Sarah, do you want to kick us off with the IMDb summary? I sure do. In a world where people collect Pokemon to do battle, a boy comes across an intelligent, talking Pikachu who seeks to be a detective. <laughs> that's kind of a misrepresentation of the entire film, but you know, yeah. that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> you know, in in E for effort. Yes. <laughs> Before we dive into our own plot summaries, it's kinda of a little a little tradition that we do on the strategic whimsy experiment is Sarah and I come up with our own plot summaries. They're usually sometimes slightly snarky. It's just been kind of a fun thing to do. But before we dive into that Let's talk about whether or not we were we played Pokemon growing up. Were we fans of Pokemon? Are a lot of the characters and Pokemon in this film new to us, or are we very familiar with them? Well, uh, I loved Pokemon as a kid. I collected and traded the cards. I played the game. Like I, I was all about Pokemon. Uh, so. Even watching this film, there were like random times when I was like, oh, that one. I remember that. Like it was like this weird nostalgia trip for me. So yes, I I had to dive deep into my memory bank, but uh, I remembered a lot of the characters in this film. See, I'm super glad about that because I did not grow up playing Pokemon uh, I had friends that were really into it, and they would play on their Game Boy Advance SPs, because that was the cool thing at the time. <laughs> um, I played Yoshi's Island. I, like, beat that game. Nice! So like, my accomplishment for my childhood. That um, was a good game, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. But I think it'll be really cool to see your perspectives on this film versus mine, because we came into it with, like, different perspectives and different backgrounds. So I'm kind of glad that... You're a fan. I was kind of hoping that you would be. Well, I had a hunch because when you went to see this, you texted me with sheer joy that they handed out uh, Pokemon cards that you're viewing. So that was that was kind of fun to see. What was what was on the Pokemon cards? Were they just, just generic um, standard ones? Well, or were they like I got two packs of two, oh. and I got two Pikachu detectives, which is lame. And then I got a Jigglypuff and something else. And now I don't remember what the something else was. And I don't remember where I put the cards. Were they branded as, like, for this film? Or were they branded yes. as the old school Pokemon cards? They they looked kind of like the old school cards, but they were specifically branded for the film. Which I'm okay. like, that's pretty genius like yeah, yeah we're going to print these things and we're going to hand these out to get people maybe back into this so well and i was just thinking about that is like it would have been really cool if they had launched a new game or a new version of pokemon go that didn't fizzle out and yeah. timed the launch with this film like that would have been awesome that really would have been if I were a kid, to see this film and, like, love it and then be able to, like, play the game that's launched along with it would have been really cool. But. Yep. Missed opportunity. Yeah. 
All right. So do you want to start us off with the with your plot summary, Sarah? I'm super curious to hear what your thoughts were on this film. So kick us off. All right. My short plot summary actually was inspired by a conversation that Jen and I were just having before we hit the record <laughs> button. Uh, and so my short summary is audiences of all ages. Gotta catch them all. Oh, that's cute. That's a cute one. There is another uh, plot summary that Sarah had, but alas, it has ventured off into the land of thoughts that we will never be able to resurface. So I like this one. It's super cute and charming. Very Thank whimsical. <laughs> uh, mine's a little different in nature. It's a little snarky. Familiar franchise meets bad writing that we can gladly light up with Charmander's Tale of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. So you can guess my thoughts on this film. <laughs> so my my other one that I thought of Ooh, yeah. that didn't have a Pokemon reference in it was made for TV movie forced onto the big screen. Oh, yeah. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into our initial thoughts of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. As a Pokemon fan, Sarah, what were your thoughts? I would imagine that they were similar to yours. Uh, the writing in this was terrible oh, it was God. absolutely awful the acting in it was bad the like it was just it was not a good movie no. and <laughs> and I mean okay I didn't have high hopes for it it's Pokemon I haven't liked this since I was in elementary school like this this was pure nostalgia for me and on the off chance that maybe it wasn't awful but this was pretty bad. And so I was, as I've been thinking about this film, I was just wondering, like, Sarah, are you holding this film to too high of a standard? Like, it's a little <laughs> kid's movie. Be nice to it. And then I just thought of the other amazing children's movies mm -hmm. that have been made. And there's no excuse. Like, no. Just because it's a kid's movie... Or because you're, you know, playing on people's nostalgia because they grew up playing the game. Like, that's no excuse to make a bad movie and have terrible writing. Like, <laughs> we can do better. While watching this film, I just kept thinking, like, every time the plot shifted or there was just this moment of, like, Wait, why didn't you tie that into here? I just kept thinking about how you must have been cringing in your in you with your writer's mind like analyzing this being like what the hell happened in writing this screenplay because it's all over the place so i echo a lot of your thoughts i thought the acting was a little rough like it felt very amateur um yes. kind of like college kid making a film project type of acting where it's like a little bit forced um the plot is all over the place like there's so many moments where I'm like where does that tie into the end there and I think I had high hopes for this film the trailer's kind of fun and quirky and Ryan Reynolds is kind of playful and it, there's so many pieces of this that could have worked really well um you know you have like a fun actor who with this interesting premise they this young boy and this 
Pikachu go on an adventure and um, there could be some cool moments where you have the video game components brought to life in new ways that you could play on. And they did a little bit of it, like some of the Pokemon battle scenes. I was like, you should have done more of this. But all in all, I just, it was a bad movie. And I was low-key leaving the theater like, why did I just spend $11 on this film plus my $6 popcorn? Like, it was not a good film at all. And I think there are so many components that could have made it awesome and fun and a really cool summer film. But alas, I was not a fan. Yeah, I, uh, they, I agree. They could have done so much with it, and they just didn't. No. And there were some components that kind of hinted at that a little bit. Like, the Pokemon battle scenes, I was like, this is awesome. And this is what is so much a big part of the game that you could have done so much with on this big screen. There are other moments like, uh, I don't know any of the Pokemon names. I'm going to apologize in advance. But the the part where the mountains were starting to rise and you realize they were these like giant Pokemons that were huge when they were at the lab and um, they saw the, the little like forest and it was like Pokemon like super growth or something like that. And there's this moment where they're like jumping through the forest trying to dodge these giant mountains that were rising and you realize they were Pokemon. Like that was so cool to see. And they should have done more of that. It was awesome. But there were a few little glimpses of the potential this film could have had. Just not enough. Yeah, I agree. And I think I'm going to be really interested to see how this movie does Mm -hmm. and how, how well it's received. Um, I I went on a Saturday afternoon and like the theater wasn't too full. It was probably like half full and it was a good mix of adults and kids, but there was so little reaction from my theater. Mm-hmm. Like even the moments that were like supposed to be funny or like the parts that were supposed to be like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Like there was almost no reaction from anybody in the theater. Mm. I'm just going, oh, this does not bode well for this film. No. it. The moments that were supposed to be funny just landed a little flat. Like, I didn't find this film funny, and I was really expecting it to be this, like, really awesome, playful, hilarious adventure type of film. And it wasn't, it, re- it was kind of this weird sense of humor and the timing was kind of off with the funny moments. So yeah, it didn't land well. My theater actually, there were a couple chuckles and a couple laughs, but I expected that there would have been more from the trailer. Like the trailer made it seem like it was going to be this awesome, funny adventure. Once again, the trailers include all the good parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my theater was also a mix of young young folks and older people, which was a little bit surprising to me. I, th- I expected there to be a lot more kids running around the theater, but it was a good mix of both audiences. So I don't know if it's a nostalgia factor or what, but it was a decent mix as well. So yeah, I'm curious to see how this film's going to do. I saw an article 
um, saying that so far this film has grossed pretty well and could potentially be the highest grossing video game adaptation film that has been created. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. So where should we start? What were kind of some aspects of the film that stood out to you that you thought were interesting choices or interesting moments? Let's Let's talk about casting for just a second. Okay. Because I left the theater thinking, how in the hell is Ryan Reynolds old enough to have a 21-year-old son? (laughs) And from the safety of my car, I had to IMDB him to find out his age because I could not believe that he had a 21-year-old son. (laughs) Yeah, actually, a friend and I Googled the exact same thing when we left the theater to see how old he was. It's slightly plausible if he was very, very yeah. young as a father. But the, that ending scene, uh, when it's revealed that he is the dad, I was, I was like, did I, miss, did I mishear that? Like, is he the dad? Or is he sending off the kid to go see the dad? And then uh, Tim turns around and he's like, wait, dad. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay, he is the dad. Oh, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they tried and failed miserably to build up this emotional moment like yeah. oh, it's the dad. Wow. And everything's now right with the world. And for as much as they talked about it throughout and they kind of threw out the breadcrumbs, they did not tie it together in a nice little bow nor did it feel like this heartwarming reunion between a father and a son. Like, the son hasn't seen the father in a decade. And, you know, so it's supposed to be awkward. I was okay with the awkwardness, but it wasn't this, like, oh, my gosh, wow, what a great resolution to this film. It was just like, oh, okay, we're, we're done? We're done. Okay, well... Oh. Okay. (laughs) So I was actually going to wait to talk about the plot twist kind of father reveal ending, but let's just talk about it now because did you see that coming? I did not see that coming at all until Mewtwo was like, and he's been with you the whole time. And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? It's going to be, are you (laughs) freaking kidding me? So did you see it coming? I did. Uh, I I suspected do. it when they they showed the picture of the mom and mm-hmm. oh I don't remember I don't remember which one came first but it was either when you saw the picture of the mom and so you knew that his dad had to be white and it's like okay well then it has to be Ryan Reynolds and they didn't ever show the dad's face and I was like well yeah. that's clearly Ryan Reynolds like uh, I just had this face Paul moment when Mewtwo goes and he's been with you this whole time. And I was like, they did not go there. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? They sure did. <laughs> and then they pan to the shot of Pikachu's like big old eyes. And you're like, that's the dad. Like that is the dad. He is <laughs> in this tiny adorable creature's body making snarky comments the entire time being a rambunctious little nugget. And you're like, that's the dad. It was, it's, it's rough for me to accept that because I'm like, they went there. 
They really went there. They did. But how much more entertaining would it have been to be like a Freaky Friday situation where like Ryan Reynolds went into Pikachu and Pikachu went into Ryan Reynolds (laughs) and like they had that whole thing going on? Like that would have been hilarious because you just see Ryan Reynolds going around the whole movie like Pika, Pikachu. Exactly. Be awesome. How are are you going to explain that or make that seem like that's normal? Mm -hmm. Like That would have been so funny but See, and that's the ridiculousness that I would have loved to see from this film like don't try and be this touching story of a family and this kid that lost his mom and now us is that like don't even go there just absolutely commit to the ridiculousness of the fact that you're making a film about pokemons and just like have a lot of fun with it you know like don't try and weave in the weighty moments and I'm okay with with some of the weighty moments if they're done right like Mm -hmm. they tried to force in all of these emotional beats and none of them landed well and they were just acted terribly and I'm going why are you trying to make this into something that it's not like there's nothing wrong like you said with just having a fun action movie so it could be about a kid who wants to find out what happened to his dad and he's has a little Pikachu detective friend along for the ride. And it can be as simple as that. You don't need all of these other emotional things that do nothing for the plot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of my sentiments after watching Logan Lucky, which we also reviewed on the podcast as well. And it's just like, if you're going to make a redneck heist film, like, commit to it, and if you're going to do the emotional beats, land them well. If not, just leave them out. Honestly, a redneck heist film was fun enough to watch. Commit to the ridiculousness of it. And I think this film should have done something similar. And the, the emotional beats just felt so out of place. And I feel like that's when you know that it didn't work. When you're like, all right, can we just zoom past this? Like, I don't care about this. Let's just get to the fun, like, Pokemon battle scenes. Yes, I wish that they would have done more of those, like you said earlier, and especially for kids who grew up playing this, like, you know, I mean, it's been over 20 years since I was, did anything with Pokemon, but when they went back into those battle scenes, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is awesome! So if they would have been able to do more of those kind of things... I think that it would have played so much better for the audiences. And like you said, they could have made more money that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it, they could have framed it in this, in a similar like video game-esque format. So one of my thoughts after watching this film was like the plot was all over the place. But I read a review mm-hmm. that mentioned like the one mission, then the next logic of a video game is kind of what this film tried to do. So I was like, okay, maybe that's why I felt like the plot was all over the place. But it would have been really interesting if they had framed the plot points or the pacing of this in a similar way with the video game where you battle this scene and then you're on to the next adventure on a new in a new place, whether it's the city or the forest or the water or whatever it is. And you, you battle a new set of Pokemons and then you're on to the next one. Like That would have been so awesome to see. And each time a new set is revealed slowly to you instead of like panning over 
the city and seeing all these different Pokemons, but you don't get to like have those moments where it's like, oh yeah, and then we get to see that one do its thing, and then we get to see this one. It almost felt like they just threw them all in there in a big melting pot, and it would have been cooler to see them unveiled one by one or group by group or whatever it is, you know, the, the big uh, Pokemons and seeing them fight and, and give them each their moments instead of throwing them all into, into the city. And I think, I think that video game idea is actually a really good concept, Mm -hmm. but for, for a video game, you know, clearly what the stakes are and you know what you're working toward and you know, if you've won or you've lost. And there was none of that. It was Mm -hmm. like, it was all jumbled and mixed up together and there wasn't ever a clear, you know, oh, we've succeeded and I can move on to the next level or wah, 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 I lost another life. I have to do it again. Like, there was none of that. It was just like, oh, there's another, oh, and then you changed your mind and, oh, we're doing this now. Like, yes. <laughs> it was just a confusing, jumbled mess. Yeah. I kept, I, that's what I kept thinking about when watching this film. I was like, what is our goal here? Like, What's yeah. the purpose? What are we trying to do? And one of the issues is that uh, Tim's character never had a lot of agency. He's kind of just like yes. thrown into the next scene and the next scenario. And then he gets a new piece of information and he's thrown into the next um, place. And he's just tossed around by the plot versus him making concrete decisions to like, okay, I'm going to go on this adventure and find my father. Or, okay, like I'm going to befriend Pikachu and we're gonna go do this now like yes let's go so it's hard to follow him because you're just like I don't what are, what's your goal buddy I don't really know yeah that was a major problem with it he didn't he didn't have that agency so then we're not invested mm-hmm. in whether he succeeds or fails nope. it's just kind of like oh okay I mean we're more invested in Pikachu this furry little creature with an interesting hat then we are this human being who's, you know, going through some, like, real emotional stuff. Yeah. And, like, if that was actually a situation, I'd be like, bro, oh, I'm sorry. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's get you into counseling. Like, what do you need? Like, we got mm-hmm. you. But because he never, the character itself struggled and the acting was also just <laughs> subpar. Like, yeah, I know. Even in... Even in the first scene, like, his his little friend had me cracking up. I loved his friend. I wanted to see more of his friend because his friend was just sassy. And it was great. Yeah. And anytime, he would, anytime Tim would open his mouth, I was like, oh, no. Just, just stop. Mm-hmm. Stop talking. Just no. <laughs> Especially in the emotional parts, I'm like... Okay, you're oh. clearly trying to convey that you're sad about your parents now. And <laughs> I see very clearly that you're very much trying to convey that. <laughs> <laughs> Which so makes me appreciate the art form of acting. Oh, like, I know, right? Yeah. Like thinking through some of the amazing films that we have watched, some of the amazing actors and actresses that we have raved about on this podcast. Yes. It made me appreciate them so much more because Mm -hmm. they make what they do look effortless. And that's what makes them great at their craft. 
like yeah back to your logan lucky <laughs> reference i fully believed that daniel craig was joe bang which yes. is incredible yeah he made it look so easy and that character is i don't know i would imagine completely out of his norm <laughs> yes oh we love joe bang we, need we more really joe do bang in our life yeah <laughs> But And it's all those tiny details that come together and you can't really place your finger on it other than they nailed it and it's believable and I'm here for it and it feels so authentic or it's not. The timing, the tiny facial expressions and actions and gestures and the look in their eye, like it's crazy how much detail needs to come together beautifully in the right levels and the right components to fit together to make that feel so believable and when it doesn't it we we really feel it it kind of reminds me of um, what a lot of people say about design I work on a UX design team and people often say like you know when something's designed poorly and you don't notice good design because it's so seamless and easy but when it's done poorly is when you're, you're aware of it and that's the goal is for the user to be so unaware of the way that this was designed because they don't even need to think about it. And I feel like it's a similar thing with acting as well. It's like, you know, when it's bad because it's, you just feel it and you, Oh, it's cringy. <laughs> and I think that actually applies to everything in a film. Honestly, yeah. like if you are noticing the score, then it's not doing its job properly. If you're noticing you know, the, the script, then it's not doing its job, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of these pieces have to be created and executed so seamlessly to create one cohesive unit. That's so immersive to the audience that they don't realize that they are, they're watching a film, but they're actually inside of it with you. And man, Pokemon detective Pikachu did not do that. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah, the goal is really to get like draw the audience so far into your world and then let them come out of the world and be like, oh my God, what just happened? And then moments like the strategic women's experiment when you and I are talking about it is when we can be like, how the hell did this film make me feel this way? (laughs) Now let's unpack all the different tools and pieces and figure out what contributed to it. But in the moment, like it's so effective when we're just lost in it. And then we come out and we're like, we just experienced something and it made us feel all types of ways. Now, why and how did it do that? And this film just didn't, didn't do it. I was so aware of the script the whole time. And I kept thinking about you the whole time. Cause I was like, oh, Sarah's going to have a rough time with this one. Oh but man. W- one of the other things that I wish there was more of in this storytelling was the bond between Tim and Pikachu. There were so much that could have felt so heartwarming and fun about their their friendship and I I didn't feel that bond between them and I think a big part of it is that they never had to put themselves on the line for each other or swoop in and come in at the moment the very last moment to like save each other or like be there for those emotional beats that their bond didn't feel like it was built on anything they were just kind of along together for this adventure. It's almost like they didn't have to work for it or there wasn't anything at stake for their friendship or their relationship. 
And I think that's something that was a miss because that would have been such a core part of this film being effective is that bond between Tim and Pikachu. Yeah, and that's why the the payoff at the end didn't pay off because mm-hmm. you they it wasn't set up for you to have that emotional buy-in to the relationship to go, oh my gosh, look at that. They're back together. They're one happy family. It's beautiful. It was just like, <laughs> okay, cool. Good it's like, you, bro. I'm still thinking about how old Ryan Reynolds is right now. Exactly. Like, again, they're walking off together. <laughs> yes. I was yeah. so concerned. I was going, why is this your casting choice? I didn't care about the resolution of the film. No. And dare I say that Christopher Robin did this better than this film did with the bond between Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh. It's not something that we saw necessarily play out in, on screen, but because the film referenced that history that they had together, you, you'd you buy in. Like, oh yeah, they, they had this special bond because they shared so many moments together as Christopher Robin was going growing up. So therefore, I get why they have a little bit of this like tenderness with each other. So even Christopher Robin, which is a film that Sarah and I are not a fan of. It's actually <laughs> the first episode of the podcast. So it was our roast of Christopher Robin. Um, <laughs> but even that film did a better job of showcasing this friendship than this bond between a kid or a grown, grown ass man and their like childhood friend or this cute little friend. And maybe instead of waiting for, like, the dramatic reveal of Ryan Reynolds being Pikachu, it might have been more effective for the plot line if they had let the audience in on that when Tim was unaware. And then you would know what's going on. You would know why Pikachu was, you know, yeah. with him and able to talk. And he was, like, if you understood that, then you would be more emotionally invested and when, I don't know, Pikachu tries to, like, sacrifice himself for Tim, then it would be like, oh, my gosh, he's such a good dad. He's yeah. just trying to take care of his son. And then when it all ties together in a neat little bow, you'd be like, oh, man, that's how it should work. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yeah, and there's that dramatic payoff at the end because we as a viewer are waiting for this moment when the truth will be revealed to this main character that we care about. Um, because we've known it this whole time and we're like, oh, when is he going to know? Like, when are they going to be back together? When will they get to be together as humans and not as a Pokemon and a human? Yeah, that, yeah. that could have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, at if- the end of, when, with that father reveal, I, I, my first thought was like, oh my God, I need to rewatch this whole movie and watch <laughs> all their interactions again because it would have meant so much more and it would have I would have watched this movie completely differently knowing that Pikachu was his dad the whole time and then I was like but I don't want to watch this movie again (laughs) (laughs) or if they would have made Pikachu more more human Mm -hmm. so that it would have been more more obvious that man this isn't this isn't normal for a Pokemon like they hinted at that but it wasn't outlandish enough for you to really piece it together and be clued into what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think they could have done something around cluing us in a little bit more on this. Like if, if Pikachu had been Tim's favorite 
Pokemon growing up. And they did a little bit of this, but I think if they did a little bit more um, setting that up, it would have felt also a little bit more uh, fun to see them now getting to go on this adventure again now that Tim is older. So a little bit of that Christopher Robin model. And they did a little bit of it with like the Pikachu ears being his bed frame and things like that. But I think a little more of that would have also felt like, oh, these two are back together on their adventures. Like, cool, I'm down to follow this because it has some um, nostalgia for like their past bonds. And it could have it could have been cute to see, but they 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 didn't do much with that either. And even the if they want to go the emotional route, the emotional weight of his dad choosing his son's favorite Pokemon to be his yeah. Pokemon partner. Like that could have just hit so much deeper mm-hmm. if you realized, oh, that was such an intentional choice. Like he thought about his son every day when he saw his Pokemon partner. Yeah. But that connection just it didn't happen. It was lost, yeah. And there could have also been that theme of like revisiting your childhood and being like young and whimsical again, which I think inherently we kind of all love to see. It's like when you see a, a dad like dancing super goofy at a wedding or you know what I mean? Like we love seeing the youthfulness of someone come back and then revisit this like playfulness. And I think that would have paid off well too to see Tim at the beginning of the film being like, no, I, that's a thing in my past. I'm not going to do the whole Pokemon thing again. And then kind of like revisit it again. And it's set up a little bit with that opening scene with his friend where he's like, nah, man, like I'm not going to catch the Pokemon. And then you kind of see him like give into it a little bit. Um, So they could have done something a little bit there with that theme as well. Yeah. I wish that they would have drawn that out more and, um, and they they did too with the Pokemon trainer references, mm-hmm. um, but I really wish that they would have set that up better, because then it would have been so much more powerful when he finally did partner up with Pikachu and and go on this adventure and try to help the Pokemon and like all of these things. Like it would have bore so much more weight if we had really seen his disgust and how he walked away from it and why he walked away from it. Mm-hmm. And then for him to really excel in that field and go, Oh man, you should do it. Like you're really good at this. Yeah. Give into it. You know, like that would have been really fun, especially given some of the target audience of maybe people like me who had grown yeah. up playing Pokemon and need that like, Oh, man, that was so fun. I remember when I was a little Pokemon trainer as a kid in the video game. Like, it would have just played into the whole nostalgia thing so well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, Tim revisited it, too. And he he can do it. Like, I want to revisit it, too, because it looks so fun. Look at Tim. He did it. I can do it, too. And it would have been really cool to see, like, his past playing Pokemon and knowing so much about each of the Pokemon also helping him a lot in the plot or in these battles. Yes. And again, there's a little bit of that in the scene where Pikachu's facing that big fiery dragon thing and um, Tim yells out some like power. I don't know. There's like four different powers that Pikachu can do. I'm, I'm not a Pokemon player, so I don't know these <laughs> things. I'm just like pulling from what I've seen in the film. But um, You're doing great. 
yeah, if you could see him being like pulling out all this like knowledge from his childhood of like, oh, this is their strength. So like play to this thing to help like, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, I think that would have been satisfying as well to see like, oh, he spent so much time playing this as a kid and now it's paying off in his real life adventure. Man. Jen, do you want to write a Pokemon movie? I was going to say, I feel like we're just (laughs) taking our like red pen to this film and just like, "Mm, no more of that. Let's add this in and (laughs) we're rewriting the movie. But uh, yeah, we'll make the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, there's always a sequel. So let's go for it. So I feel like we're touching on a little bit of the benefits but also the challenges of making a film that's based on a video game so in the past I feel like a lot of the films that have come out that have been video game adaptations haven't done super well and I think part of the reason well one of my theories of what the reason may be is that um, films are inherently like a linear story that we're seeing unfold on the screen that we have no agency and like we're just a viewer watching this unfold and video games inherently have many of the same characteristics of film the music the visuals the characters but there's this interactive component and you kind of like step backwards um by creating it as a film because now the viewer has no agency and they're just watching everything that they could interact with in the video game unfold on the screen where they they are no longer able to interact and make decisions and um, make choices in what unfolds in front of them. So I, I feel like there's a lot of challenges with creating a video game adaptation for a film, but there are things that you can kind of capitalize on, like the Pokemon battles or other components that could be really fun for a film. So it's interesting to think about those those challenges for video game turned film. Yeah, I think that you're right. I I don't envy that task because you have to make it really really captivating and you also have to keep the main character consistent with the video mm-hmm. game that you're so used to playing. And I think it would only work in certain instances. Like you couldn't turn all video games into films. But there are certain ones, I think, especially those that you are following a single player throughout or something like Pokemon where, you know, you got all these characters, you got all your Pokemon, but Pikachu is probably the most famous of all the Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Um, I know at least when I was growing up, everybody wanted Pikachu I didn't want Pikachu, but everybody else did. So it didn't surprise me that it was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. But it would have to be a compelling enough story to get the audience to give up their own control of the character in order to watch this. Which I think this film was positioned pretty well because it it came out long enough after, like, Kids who grew up playing Pokemon now have their own kids that they can take to go see this movie and introduce a whole new generation to Pokemon. And we saw how popular Pokemon Go was. And so it was positioned really, really well. And it could have done really well Mm -hmm. if it had just been better executed. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And maybe we're just not the right audience for it. Like maybe our standards are a little bit higher and for a kid, they're going and they're just having a good time seeing like Bulbasaurs and all these things coming to life, interacting with each other and interacting with humans. Like, I don't know. We don't have the minds of children, so who the heck knows? But yeah, there, I, I agree. There was, there was a kid who was sitting behind me and any time a Pokemon would come on the screen, he'd be like, oh, that's Bulbasaur. That's Jigglypuff. That's Psyduck. <laughs> like, all he was just naming all of the Pokemon as I was going along. And part of me was really annoyed, but then the other part was like, oh, man, I did remember that Pokemon's name. Thanks, kid. <laughs> he was like the little uh, captions on the screen. Like every oh. time a new one comes on, you're like in the corner, and this one is blah, 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 and this one is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, that little kid helped me out a little bit. Yeah. So I'm curious – what your thoughts on their choice for Pokemon's personality was. I feel like that is an interesting decision that they had to make at some point when they're taking this from like a video game to a film is like, what traits do we give these characters that people already know? He's kind of like sassy and funny and playful throughout the film. And I'm curious if that bothered you or if you felt like that was pretty authentic to what Pikachu's like in the actual video video game? You're asking me to go way back in my memory <laughs> bank here. Um, I don't remember Pikachu being like that. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't care for Pikachu. He was not my favorite. Uh, so, but I remember him being like, he was, he was the sidekick. So like that part of it tracked because mm. it was like, oh, yeah, he's he's there to help, he's the favorite, like, all of that, but the sassiness and the snarkiness that Ryan Reynolds brings, like, that didn't really fit. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't mad at the concept of that. I just I just wish that it, it had landed better because usually Ryan Reynolds is really entertaining, but it just it didn't quite work in this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's it's interesting to think about, like, a group of people in a room with a whiteboard figuring out, like, all right, what's Pikachu going to be like? Is he going to mm -hmm. be, like, timid or really, like, super sassy or somewhere in between? Is he going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z? Like, they're planning out his personality and figuring out how that balances out with the video game. is kind of an interesting challenge that usually when you're creating characters, you don't have those constraints. Yeah. You just decide, Oh, this is my character. This is what they're doing. This is yeah. important for the plot. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. So we haven't talked about the visuals yet. Let's talk about that a little bit because there was definitely a distinct style color toning, and look to the different Pokemons. And I'm curious your thoughts on the visual style of the film. I was very confused as to why Pikachu looked one way. And I think all of the other Pokemon looked different. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, clearly there's a main character here. We have yep. the star and we have everyone else. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the other ones looked a lot more cartoony and they were less textured and smooth in their, uh, like, I don't know, what do you call the makeup of a Pokemon? In their, in their like, skins? Anyway, their yeah. exteriors looked a lot more smooth and cartoony <laughs> and go. simplistic. And Pikachu had, like, the wind blowing through his fur, and you could see every single piece of fur blowing <laughs> in the wind. And that's like, okay. He clearly got a lot more detail than the other ones. Yeah, I kept thinking back to Christopher Robin oh, while watching me this. Me too. <laughs> and Pikachu looked so much better than Pooh Bear. I had the but, same thought. Yep. But with the exception of, wasn't there one character that looked like they were made out of a completely different material than everybody else? In, oh, it's been so long. In which one? In Christopher Robin? In Christopher Robin. I feel like they all oh, yeah, were, like, a yeah. consistent material, except for one of them looked so different. Was it, like, um, uh, was King the kangaroo? Or it was Rabbit? I, I remember, because we talked about this in our in We our did, because we were so bothered by it. It was like, they just um, got lazy with the other one. <laughs> and so I feel like a similar thing happened in Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Except just in reverse. Like, they spent so much time making uh, Pikachu look so good. And then they were like, ah, crap. We ran out of money. We spent it on Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Bill Nye, and Pikachu. And now <laughs> what do we do? And then they just threw the rest together. Like, that's how this film felt to me. And I was so just confused by the distinct <laughs> difference between Pikachu and literally everyone else. Oh, but at least he didn't look like he was thrown into the dryer he like did three not. times and he did not lost his saturation and then came yeah. out. <laughs> yes, oh. he was he was in full color. Full he, color. Yep. yep. Vibrant. He had been yep, washed with that special detergent to bring out your colors. Uh not put in the dryer. No. Well, and it's even it's interesting too that they decided to have the level of visual detail and the texture of Pikachu at all to begin with because they could have done something around taking that like cartoon-ish type of look and molding it with real life humans and kind of had this like interesting fusion there which could have also been cool to see. I'm thinking it's kind of similar to I think it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. I might be butchering that. Yeah, where it's just kind of a cool interaction between, like, fantasy world and real-life world. And they they made a clear choice to go down the path of making Pikachu look like he was, like, a legit stuffed animal that had dimensions and stuff. So that was an interesting choice as well. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is I kept noticing the color toning in this film. There's a lot of, like, blues and reds. But I wasn't sure if they had a purpose or not or if it was just part of the visual style they wanted to have with this like neon-ish type of look but it reminded me of when we were reviewing her and we talked a lot about how the color tones reflected so much of the mood and tones of the actual plot and how powerful that was to see the blue tones used for these like more down quieter moments and these beautiful 
oranges and pinks used for the like moments where he is so on top of the world and in love. And I kept trying to figure out if there's that similar mapping for the color toning in this film or it's just kind of like randomly thrown around and just part of the general visual style. Yeah, it felt really random to me. Mm -hmm, um, me too. I mean, obviously different Pokemon have different colorings based off if they're like water or fire, but I... I think if they were trying to infuse meaning into the color, uh, they just did it halfway, just like they did everything else. It was just mm -hmm. kind of thrown together and went, well, you know, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, they're using blue here. What does it mean? Now they're using red. Like, <laughs> am I finding any patterns in my data points in my head right now? Because they're pretty scattered across this graph and I don't see a common thread. <laughs> yeah. I did think the, some of the shots where they had all these like neon signs in the city at nighttime looked really cool and kind of fit the video game look. So I, I was like, okay, good job there. But the rest of the visuals, I was like, yeah, I don't really think there's a rhyme and a reason to it. See, even the shots of the city, I was so bothered by. Uh, <laughs> I kept thinking of um, Big Hero 6. Mm. They did it so well because they made it, um, oh, man, it was a whole new city. And I don't remember what it was a combination of, but it was a combination of some really popular cities fused into one and they were able to play off of iconic characteristics of these different cities mm -hmm. in such a way that made it work and made it new. And anytime they showed shots of the city in Detective Pikachu, I was just like, did you just take random photos of cities and just composite them together with no rhyme or reason? You also don't explain anything about the culture and how it kind of looks like we're in Tokyo, yeah, but it kind of looks like it doesn't. So I need more. Like it didn't, it didn't feel cohesive mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that there was, there was something there with a Tokyo inspired look because it reminded me of the scene in Endgame where Hawkeye is, being an assassin and they're in Tokyo and it has a similar like um, dark city with these big flashing neon signs everywhere. And then even the opening credits of this film and closing credits had like a Asian inspired characters look to the textile. So I was thinking maybe they're doing something a little bit there, but it wasn't enough to be a strong presence. So you're just like, eh, okay, whatever, on to the next shot. Yeah, I feel like that's the theme of this this film is nice try, but you didn't quite make it. Yeah, it's like you took two steps in the right direction, but then you stopped. What happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They had just gone a little bit further. Mm -hmm. It could have paid off so well. Yep. Yep. Anything else that 
you notice in this film that we haven't talked about yet before we end with closing thoughts? Um, we cover it. Prob- <laughs> <laughs> probably the biggest thing. Uh, maybe not the biggest thing, but one of the most bothersome things to my writer's brain is that they broke the rule of show, don't tell. Mm. Uh, like when Tim is riding into the city, there is a multi-minute long voiceover where somebody, it's the, the train voiceover, I guess, is explaining what the city is, how it came to be, who Bill Nye's character is, and why he's not the villain of this film. Like, so explicitly are they telling you all of these things, and I'm going, that is writing 101. You do not do that. (laughs) I was just sitting there so annoyed at that whole scene. And then they kept telling the audience instead of showing the audience throughout the entire film. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, no wonder we're not emotionally connected to this. You told us everything. You didn't show us, so we don't care. Sarah is part of the secret force uh, that polices bad writing, so y'all can watch (laughs) out. She's going to come for you. (laughs) The other moment I'm thinking about that is same same thing is um, when Me Too at the ending is explaining what happened with the yes. father and he was like, I'm putting the soul into Pikachu now and that's what happened to your father. And it's like, okay, you're just, it, it felt like they just needed to like let us know that so that we could continue moving on with the plot. And so it didn't feel important. It's just like, all right, well, we're just getting told what happened in the past. Yeah, and because they didn't set it up super well, they had to tell you what happened because mm-hmm. they they couldn't show you at that point in time. <laughs> and I think there were so many plot twists with whether or not Me Too was good or bad that I feel like the writers were almost like, okay, we're going to have to tell the audience, otherwise they're going to be really confused and might not get it. So let's just <laughs> explicitly spell it out for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's get this over with. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing that I wanted to mention that I noticed in this film is that they had a little bit of um, commentary on the police showing only the footage that they want to show to the public. And that's kind of something that's been prevalent in the news and recent um, scenarios that have happened in real life. And I feel like there's a little bit of like a reference to that when they were showing the hologram footage and they were like well they will only show you what they want to show you it's like okay there's a little bit of social commentary going on in this too see i was so bothered by (laughs) the entire premise of him getting the footage from the police first off and having enough camera angles to put together this hologram and having the technology to have this hologram happen and just turning it on randomly without warning in this room and doing all of this and not actually helping the police and not actually helping solve the crime. Like I just, I had so many issues with that. 
that I couldn't even think about the social commentary. I was like, this is all wrong. Well, and the files weren't protected with any kind of password protection at all. No. Just sitting there. Pikachu's like a little finger is pressing all the file (laughs) icons until he finds one that he can show. What? (laughs) They are not concerned about cybersecurity at all. Not one bit. There's also, like, no guards around in this facility for some reason. I I don't... There were just so many logistical problems with literally everything in this film. <laughs> uh, no plan, either. That's the other thing. I was like, what's your, what's your plan here? Nope. None. Nope. Alright, is there anything else that we haven't roasted yet that we'd like to roast? <laughs> I would like to mention one more thing. Okay. Well, there might be more after this, but for sure one more thing. Because I had a a distinct thought uh, while watching when they first revealed... uh, Oh, yeah. When they first revealed Bill Nye and his son. And I was like, can we just have a film where the bad guy is not a... um, successful entrepreneur (laughs) can we have can we have a good entrepreneur can we have a bad guy that has some other profession other than a capitalist or a scientist like can we pick something else (laughs) because they seem to all follow a similar path well we hate capitalist billionaires until but they're also the ones that are creating the film to make more money to be because capitalism is alive and well. Yeah, a little ironic. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm I like capitalism. It's a good thing. But I, and sometimes, you know, it's used for evil. I get that. You know, we don't live in a perfect world, but maybe can we have a protagonist who's a capitalist would that hurt (laughs) what was it the film i can't remember which film it is so you might have to help me out here but there was a character that was like the successful billionaire and you were like the minute they came on screen i knew they were going to be bad it was something with superhero was it the incredibles might have been the incredibles the incredibles 2 oh well yeah yeah you were like, yeah, the minute was, they showed no up, doubt about you were that. like, oh, they're gonna be, there's going to be a plot twist at some point where they're actually the bad guy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But with, with Incredibles 2, they had to set it up in such a way. Like, and so that wasn't just the capitalists. That was also the, the brains behind it. That was the scientists, too. So that was a twofer. A double whammy. It had, it had to be the female of the siblings because she had to fight uh, Elastigirl. So it couldn't have been the, it was a whole thing anyway. But yes, (laughs) usually when watching a film and then the successful businessman walks in, it's like, crap, there's your villain. (laughs) Dang it. You've done it again. So you know how there's a Bechdel test? Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to need like a stop oppression of billionaires <laughs> test? <laughs> like what percentage of films that exist 
that have been created that pass this test and it's going to be like 0.5% of films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was one clear thought that I was having throughout because I know that we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Anything else that we haven't touched on? I'm trying to think. I'm really curious to see how this film will do. Me too. And if it's going to get slated for a sequel. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Closing thoughts on Pokemon Detective Pikachu. This film could have been good but it just wasn't (laughs) uh i man for so many of the like for all the reasons that we said we came up with plenty of other plot lines that would have been so much more interesting than this one we came up with a whole marketing strategy in like two minutes (laughs) That could have made this film so much more money. Like, it was... Mm -hmm. Everything they did was halfway. And I was like, well, you know, nice try, but you just... You didn't nail it. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess. I'm really interested to hear from... People who have children, who went and saw this, what their kids thought. Like, I'm very, very intrigued as to how this will do and who actually liked this. Yeah. Well, I think it might make a decent amount of money considering the fact that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom made a butt ton of money. Oh, that's true. you know... People people are down to see things that kind of draw this, like, nostalgia factor. Whether or not they thought it was good afterwards may be another discussion, but they went to see it, and the money is now in the hands of, you know, out of their hands, and they paid for it and have seen it, as we have as well. So I'm just thinking yes. about all the things we could have done with $16. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this this film really had a lot of components that could have been a recipe for success. I had high hopes after watching the trailer. I was like, oh, this is going to be such a fun adventure film, watching Pikachu and um, Tim, Justice Smith, and Ryan Reynolds go on this like cool, fun adventure, and they're cracking jokes with each other and poking fun at each other the whole time. Like, could have been awesome. It fell flat, but... We've now uncovered a new strategy for marketing to make more money between both a game and a film. So that was productive for us. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, I'm just thinking about like if they had left this film at kind of like a cliffhanger moment and the game would pick up from that moment. So it's like the film starts you off into this world and now you, like you finish the story or something like that could have been interesting. Oh yeah. That's brilliant. 
because like one of the things with video games is like how do you draw that empathy with a character that you're playing as and if they had started out as a film and like you had no idea that it turned into a game that you got to finish a story that could have been kind of cool yeah that would have been that's great let's not uh post this part of the conversation and we can make that (laughs) and then make a bunch of money i love it yeah well and they handed out pokemon cards like clearly there was like some little connection point there where they're like oh we could drop some nostalgia and drive some people to think about this as a game again hmm (laughs) but then they had no tangible action you know i mean it's marketing 101. You have to tell people what they want, and then you have to tell people what to do. So Well, and Pokemon <laughs> Go was such a success at the time, and then it kind of fizzled yes. out because they didn't have a plan next version of it to, like, keep the interest. But, like, what a cool opportunity this could have been if they maybe planned for this many years in advance to build, like, a full-fledged app for it. But they could have kind of re ignited some of that same excitement for Pokemon by releasing like Pokemon Go version 2 at the same time and launched it with this film could have been interesting yeah and you could find your first Pokemon in the in, in the, the theater mo- or like in the oh, or something like that, that would have been, been sick it would have been so brilliant yeah like the theater could have been a hot spot for finding like unlocking the game or something like that? Or, ooh, what if you couldn't play the game until you saw the movie and then they wait? They would wait like until it was not in theaters anymore and then release it to the public or something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like driving some exclusivity with like you only get this certain game boost if you go and see the game or if you go and see the movie. Uh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been a brilliant way to make money. Sick. Man, if only they would listen to us. Yeah. The strategic strategic whimsy experiment comes up with some some ideas. But I alas, really it's probably just a money constraint, honestly. Like Yeah. <laughs> constantly balancing between how much money we have and what we can actually do. So Yeah, that's fair. You and I are here just like pulling stuff out of our <laughs> Out of our pockets. There's a reason why strategic is in the name. That's true. We might not have the money to make this happen, but these are not bad ideas. (laughs) We'll add this to our growing list, Sarah. Yes, we will. We always say, once we find this pile of money sitting somewhere, growing on a tree (laughs) somewhere, where we'll create a whole field of them, is when we'll we'll, we'll revisit that list. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> someday we're ready just we need to find this field it's gonna be great look out world look out <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so that was our review roast of pokemon detective pikachu uh we're curious your thoughts on this film so if you went and saw pokemon detective pikachu we're curious to hear what you thought or what your kids or your friends kids thought about this film we hope you had fun kind of parsing through all the different components of pokemon detective pikachu and dreaming up new things that the film could have done um and just hanging out with us for 
for a bit. So we hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you next time.